0: Welcome to the Grace and Truth to Us podcast. God created all things, especially each of us, to have a relationship with Him. However, due to our sin, we were separated from God until He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to show not only the truth of our condition, but also give us grace to reunite us to Him. We will explore the Bible together to discover the grace and truth God has communicated to us through the Bible. I'm Pastor Jerry. Let's get started. Hello, let's start with prayer. Almighty God, as we come to your word today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and help us to learn exactly what it is you want us to know, and that in this process that we would grow more in love with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The last episode, we talked about the birth of Christ. This week we will discuss Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the Magi and the flight to Egypt. If you have any comments or questions, be sure to email me at graceandtruthtous at gmail.com. Notice in today's reading, God's intentional actions to ensure the fulfillment of his plan. What is his grace and truth to us? Let's start out in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6, the, part, the first part of the Magi coming. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Now, as we look at this, verse 1 starts out after Jesus was born. That tells us that some time has passed. Now, from that very specific uh, phrase, you can't tell exactly how much, but we will later on in this uh, message. Then it says that Magi came. Now, the number of Magi is not known. If you celebrate Christmas and put up a uh, a manger every year, you probably put out three uh, kings or three Magi. But in the text, there is no number. They don't know. In fact, uh, it probably uh, was a whole caravan of people who came because these three or these magi came, however many there were, would not have come a great distance by themselves. They would have come with supplies to live on, they would have come with people to protect them, and so it would have been a whole caravan of people. And you can imagine coming into Jerusalem, the kind of disturbance that would make. The Greek word for magi is magos, and it refers to a magician, a sorcerer, or a wise man in interpreting the stars and or dreams. In other words, wise men. That's where we get our wise men. Likely, they were royal servants of the king. Think of the the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, the king summoned magicians and enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to interpret dreams or to read writing on the wall. Daniel is only one to whom God gives those interpretations in that book. In verse 2, the magi, it says, are from the east. Now, that is not exactly known where they are coming from. But throughout the ancient Near East, births of extraordinary Savior-type figures were believed to coincide with astral phenomena. And so when a star or a planet appeared in the, in the heavens, that got the Magi or these astrologers attention. And this one particularly appeared over Jerusalem, and the Magi believed that it had heralded the King of the Jews. Now why would they think this? You see, extraordinary people of faith were carried into Babylon, think of Daniel again in the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament and would share that with anyone who inquired of him. And so, astrologers would be interested in the prophecies as it related to the stars. You could see that astrologers would want to know how Daniel had the power to interpret dreams and to seek answers in the Old Testament. And so while kings should be expected to pay homage to the Messiah, think of Psalm 72, verses 10 through 11, Matthew instead portrays royal servants doing so. In verse 3, King Herod is mentioned. King Herod is born around, uh, around 73 B.C., and he ruled in Judea, Samaria, Perea, and Galilee from 37 B.C. until his death in 4 B.C. He is an, Edomian, an Edomite by birth, and so he is considered an illegitimate king by the Jews because he is not of the line of David. Herod the Great ruled Palestine on behalf of Rome since 40 B.C. The first 24 years of his reign were successful. He established peace throughout the land. He made the temple in Jerusalem more magnificent than that of Solomon. He provided many jobs for those in the working class to complete all of these projects that he had, and he completed a large number of building projects. His final nine years, however, as king, were not so glorious. There were political executions and executions of family members, basically anybody who was a threat to him or questioned his authority, he would eliminate. There were wars, there was clashes with Rome, and so he died dishonorably of a disease and his kingdom was divided among his son. The text here says that Herod was disturbed. A newborn king would be a threat to his reign. Jerusalem, it says, was also disturbed. You see, the population knew of Herod's ruthless assassinations. And so there's kind of the saying that you could put in here, when Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. In verse 4, he seeks the counsel of the chief priests and the teachers of the law. That's in verse 5-6, the they are the chief interpreters of the scripture. And so they probably researched Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1-10 through 10, and Micah chapter 5 verse 2 and found out that the Messiah is said to originate from the clan of Jesse, that is David's father, and would be from Bethlehem. And so Herod comes back to the Magi and he answers them, Bethlehem. Now let's look at part two of the Magi's visit, Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You see, here you see God's uh, plan being unfolded again. In verses 7 and 8, Herod secretly calls the Magi to him. And that is so that no one in the city would warn the Magi of Herod's deception. Herod first finds out the exact time the star appeared before he would tell them anything. And then he tells them it was in Bethlehem. And he sends them to find the baby and report back to him so that he could worship this newborn king. And so in verses 9 and 10, they are overjoyed at seeing the star again. See God's plan unfolding? Magi first are led to Herod in Jerusalem, and then the Magi are led to Bethlehem. The Magi are overjoyed when they see that star. And when they finally find the child, they bow down and worship and give gifts. Now some of these gifts are seen as appropriate gifts to give a king. You see that in Psalm 72, verses 10 and 11, and Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6. Some of these gifts are products of the trade, however. You see, they're magicians. And so magicians would use gold dust to appear mystical. They would sprinkle it on their incantations and their writings. Magicians would use frankincense to appease the senses. They would, You would smell this frankincense and think something magical is happening and magicians would use myrrh, which was related to some kind of death ritual. Dr. Scott Hahn is a Roman Catholic theologian, and he has studied this in depth. And he has written and said this, These people who come from the Orient are obviously into astrology, who are nonetheless receptive to these astral signs. What do you think of them? Well, what the Jewish rabbis of the time thought of them. The rabbis had a famous saying that if anybody learns anything from a magus or from the magi, let them be accursed because the magi in the eyes of the Jews were simply sorcerers and practiced the black arts. And what's so interesting then that in offering gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you can actually trace these substances back to the sorcerers' practice of the black arts. It was probably not just a tribute. It was probably also an act of renunciation. Now they have found the Son of God. Now they have found this Jewish Messiah. They can do without the very things that they used to practice, the black arts. That's the end of the quote. And so could it be that these gifts that they gave were an expression of giving up their trade in order to show the love of the Messiah? In verse 12, they are ready to return home, but God uses a dream to warn them not to return to Herod. Remember, he wanted them to come back to him, and they would have obliged, but God says, no, don't do that. And so they go by another route. See, God continues to work out his plan. Now we look at the escape to Egypt in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. In verses 13 and 15, God warns Joseph in a dream, go to Egypt, he says, stay there until you hear from me again. And that fulfills a prophecy in Hosea 11, verse 1. Out of Egypt I called my son, the prophecy says. Now what comes to your mind concerning Egypt? Well, I think of the Exodus. God calls his children, sons, and he calls them out of Egypt. That's the Exodus. He delivers them. Israel is God's son redeemed out of Egypt. And now Jesus will be called out of Egypt and redeem the people of Israel and all people from their sin. Nothing will stop from fulfilling his plan, not even the deception of an earthly king. In verse 16, ain't Herod happy? Watch out. He is furious because the Magi don't return. And so he orders all boys two years old and younger to be murdered, just like that, in accordance with what the Magi told him. And so the Magi came to Jesus when he was about two years old. Thus fulfills another prophecy, Jeremiah 31 through uh, verse 15. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping, And great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Matthew is showing how God is in control of all things. Remember, it wasn't God who ordered the boys to be murdered. He knew that Herod in his wickedness would do that, and so he had his plan fulfilled by taking Jesus to Egypt. The Return of Nazareth in Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. And so in verse 19 through 21, God tells Joseph in a dream to return to Israel because Herod is dead. And so Joseph obeys, and he goes back to Israel, and he arrives there, he's not very comfortable Because in verses 23 through 23, he hears that Archelaus is reigning. Archelaus is a son of Herod the Great. He had two or three sons who were reigning in that area. And this can't be good. And so God, again, directs Joseph to go to the region of Galilee and to Nazareth. This fulfills yet another prophecy. He will be called a Nazarene. Now there is uncertainty as to where this prophecy comes from. Don't really know. There's some um, thoughts on that, but uh, there's no real definitive guidance on that. And so God reveals his grace and truth to us in Matthew 2. Think of the prophecies fulfilled. In Matthew 1 and 2 alone, five prophecies are filled. In verses 1, chapter 1, verse 22, and in chapter 6, verse 6, 15, 18, and 23. In Matthew chapter 2 alone, four prophecies. God is keeping his promise in his timing. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of Son. You see, when the time had fully come, God has a plan, and he's working it out. And God includes Gentiles in the gospel That's the Magi. The Magi are the second group to worship Jesus, and they are Gentiles. The first one were the shepherds who came on the night of his birth, but two years later, the second group are Gentiles. You see, people who should have been stoned under Jewish law come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so God is telling us that you and I are also included in Christ's redemption, especially if you're a Gentile. If you're Jews, you are. But if you're a Gentile, you are as well. We, too, are children of God, freed from sin. You see, the Magi believed Jesus was the Messiah. What about you? Do you believe? God's grace to you is no matter what you have done, Jesus came for you. God loves you so much. There is a gift that Jesus gives with your name on it. And the question is, will you receive it if you haven't already? You can receive it through prayer. By simply telling God that you believe Jesus came and died for your sins, to ask Jesus to forgive you, and to ask Jesus to lead your life from this time on. And so if you have prayed something like this i would love to hear about it email me at grace to us at gmail.com and i would suggest that you begin reading on a daily basis the four gospels at your own pace of course start with the gospel of john or perhaps the gospel of matthew and just read a little bit 10-15 minutes and then mark it and continue reading until you finish all four gospels i hope you will and i hope that you will receive and experience the abundant life that God and Jesus Christ has for you. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are so thankful for this day. We're thankful for your love given to us and the provisions in life. And Lord, no matter what we have experienced or what we have done in our life, we know that you still love us. That's what the Gospel of Matthew tells us. And so we come before you and we ask that you would continue to give us grace and help us to grow in our faith in you and our love for you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us and that we would hear you, that you would open our eyes to see what you want us to see and open our ears to hear what you want us to hear and open our mind to discern what it is you want us to do that we might be obedient to it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please join us next week for another lesson from Pastor Jerry on the What the Bible Says and the So What of It for our Lives in Grace and Truth to Us podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email me at graceandtruthtous@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, the Lord be with you.